Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Politics by Faith. I'm Mike Slater. Thanks for being here. Welcome to part two of our Christmas Spectacular episode. We had to split it up into two parts. I don't love doing that, but we left on such an important moment about contemplating your need to be saved, your need for a savior, and also the inevitability of death. Think about these two things, and I guarantee you your Christmas will be so much more meaningful than it's ever been before. Much more important than a fat guy in a red suit. So if you're just listening to this one, you got to go back. Go back one episode to listen to part one. If you heard yesterday's, a quick review. Uh, we're talking about Christmas. Uh, I've been smacked across the face this year by the cheapness of our holidays, the secularization of Halloween and Thanksgiving and even Christmas. Then we shared the gospel message, which is what we should be sharing every day, but certainly over Christmas. Uh, and then we left you with the lies that were told in our world. There's two big ones. First, you're great. Maybe not great, but you're good enough. Well, you're better than that guy. You're at least better than that guy. Surely there's someone who's worse than you, right? So just grading on a curve. Uh, but therefore, uh, you don't need a savior. You don't need saving. You don't need a savior. It's the first lie. The second lie is you'll live forever. And how that has changed us, this idea that we are immortal. We have pushed death so far away from us that we never contemplate it. And that makes the birth, also death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that much less important. So those are two things that take away from the importance of this wonderful holiday. I've asked myself for years, certainly before I was a Christian, but even when I was a Christian, why God had to do the whole Jesus born as a human thing. He could have done it any way he wanted. Why did he do it this way? Why did he choose baby? <laughs> like why make himself nothing? Why do the whole virgin birth thing? Like what, why, why, why? Could have done it any way he wanted. Why did Jesus have to become human? Paul Harvey answered that question for me. He told the story of a, of a good man. Aren't we all? Decent, generous man. But he just didn't believe all the, the silly Bible stuff. Yeah, the miracles, the incarnation. So he didn't go to church this Christmas with the family. His wife and his children went. Without him, he stayed behind, stayed home. And when he was home, a big storm came through and sat on the couch and a bird flew into his window. Ah, that's never good. You could just hear dunk, right? You know, it's sad. And then another bird did. Two birds. Well, and then more birds just kept slamming into his window. What in the world's going on? 
So he goes outside, and there's this, this terrible blizzard. And there are these birds all huddled in the snow, right? They slammed into the window, and they fell down, and then they're, they're stuck, disoriented, totally lost and clueless. And hurt. <laughs> and this man's a generous man. So he walked and opened up the barn door just over on the other side of his yard there. There was a big, beautiful barn, a nice warm place for the birds to be. So he uh, bundled up and opened up the barn door and turned the light on. And the birds didn't go anywhere. He's thinking, well, come on, birds. Let's go. Go to the, go to the barn. So he's just waving his arms frantically. Go. Go to the didn't work, so he tries to shoo them. Like goes, he goes, come on, go, go, shoot. Like, like, kind of pushes them to the direction of them. And they, they, they won't go. So then he goes, he gets breadcrumbs, tries to lure them to the barn, and they refuse. They're, who knows what, but among other things, scared of him. They fear him. And he finally thought, if only I could be a bird and speak their language and, and mingle with them and be with them. And tell them not to be afraid. And I, I could just show them the way to safety. I could show them how to get to the warm barn. If only I could just show them the light. And I could do that if I could only be one of them. So they could hear me and understand. Get it? <laughs> That's what Jesus did. He became one of us so we could follow him to God and heaven. Knowing all of this, thinking about all this, Santa, I hope, feels really stupid. So now we're going to pick up our regularly scheduled program, the normal format of the show. We have seven segments of this show. The fourth segment of each episode is the lament I lament that Jesus has been replaced by Santa. Now, a couple of disclaimers before we begin this conversation. Everyone gets very defensive when I talk about this. So, you're not a bad person if you did the whole Santa thing or if you do the whole Santa thing. I'm not the greatest person because I don't do the Santa thing. I don't, I'm not saying I'm amazing and you're terrible. Like, I'm not just... Everyone needs to lower their weapons, <laughs> put their weapons down. You're not going to hell if you have Santa in your hat, right? So it's all, this is merely a suggestion. It's all I'm presenting here, an argument that I, I've never heard. So maybe you've never heard it. There you go. Uh, if you have young kids nearby of age, of that age, maybe this is the time to turn it down. There is no Santa Claus in the Slater home. There's a lot of reasons why. And you're saying, oh, Slater, you're such a stick in the mud. It's just some harmless fun. Mm. He, he represents joy in the hearts of everyone. What's the problem with, with kids having some magic in their childhood? Well, a lot of things. First, telling your kid that Santa exists. I believe sets up kids to deconstruct their faith and reject God later in life. Kids will think that Santa and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny and God are all things 
that as you grow up, you grow out of. Oh, sure, I used to believe in Santa when I was a kid because it was helpful for the adults to manipulate me and get me to do what they wanted me to do. And uh, so, of course, I believed in Santa. You still believe in God as an adult? <laughs> wow, I, you got to grow up, man. Grow, grow out of your silly superstitions. I think when you group all of these things together as, as silly things that kids believe in, that's uh, setting yourself up for some from trouble in the future. Now, now, let me just jump right out with the fix here. This is such a simple fix. Like, it's such a nice compromise, and I don't know why this is a problem at all. Uh, Santa Claus is made up, not real. Either is Batman. He's awesome. I have, like Superman's not real. Superman's great. <laughs> Kids love Superman. Cinderella isn't real. But my daughter, Grace, knows that Cinderella is kind and courageous. So we can learn from the story of Cinderella, no question. The Grinch isn't real. My kids don't think the Grinch is real. Do any kids think the Grinch is real? Do any parents tell their kids that the Grinch is real? Of course not. It's just a great story with great lessons. That's all. So just leave it like that. St. Nicholas was a real person. Right, we can talk about that in a little bit. But... Why? I don't understand why you just like say Santa Claus is not real, but you like neither are a lot of things we all like Iron Man's not real. I mean, I don't know, right? Like, like but we still we could still talk about him and learn lessons from them just the same. But I don't know why Santa has to go to, oh no, he's real. You must believe in him. You must, you must to be a full child. You must believe that he exists. <laughs> like what? Why? Do it like, are we like, no, you must believe that Captain America is real. Believe in Cap, believe in Peter Pan. You must believe that Peter Pan is real. How dare you tell my child that Peter Pan isn't real. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So my issue with Santa is why even make up? a counterfeit version of God because that's who Santa is. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. But like, why make that up? God is way better than Santa. Again, Santa can be like a, like a little thing over here. Maybe if you even want, but God is actually all knowing God is actually everywhere. And you don't be good for goodness's sake, whatever that even means. You do it for his sake to glorify God. Now, you may be saying, oh, Slater, there's room for both, Santa and Jesus. You can have some fun with Santa and still know the reason for the season. I guess. There's a lot, first of all, there's a lot less margins today. Does that make sense? We just don't have the margin in today's culture. Maybe in the past, when our culture was all about God and Jesus all year long, you could have some fun with Santa this time of year. But when you have a godless culture that never talks about Jesus ever, other than to be openly mocked and ridiculed, you can't then bring in Santa and be like, well, you can do both. Right? We're going to bring in Jesus for one day. We're going to have Santa the whole month. And then Jesus maybe for the one day a little bit. And you're like, that's not, that doesn't work. Based on the culture we live in today, you need to error on the side of God only. Does that make sense about our margins? They're just not, 
what they used to be. So why water it down? The story of Jesus is way better than the story of Santa. Way better. What's the point of watering it down? I, I think of the old C.S. Lewis line, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Santa's bright and fat and red and colorful. Sure, but why divert attention from the incarnation of the God of the universe into this world to save us for all of eternity so we can go to heaven? <laughs> like, 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 like compared to Jesus, Santa's pitiful. He offers nothing lasting. Like, oh, but Slater, what about joy? Yeah, Jesus is way better. Name an attribute of Santa that is good. Right? Whatever, whatever your attribute of, like, Jesus is way better. Whatever attribute you can think of Santa that's good, Jesus is better. Here's the analogy, and I don't, I don't know if this <laughs> works. You can make cinnamon buns out of a Pillsbury can. You can go to the store and for $3 buy a Pillsbury can of cinnamon buns and pop it open and put it in the oven, and that's it. Right? I am offering you some homemade, warm, gooey cinnamon buns, fresh out of the oven, made from scratch, with loads of cinnamon and brown sugar, with this fresh dough. I just made it, it melts in your mouth. And I'm going to put them right next to each other. If all you had were the Pillsbury cinnamon buns out of a can, sure, I'm sure it's fine. But when you have this, when I'm giving you the real thing, why would anyone choose the fake cheap version? Also, Santa's a works-based religion. You better be good. It's a works-based religion. And even if you are bad, your kid still gets the gifts, and they know it. <laughs> so Santa isn't even truthful. If, ki if kids did get coal, then maybe there'd be some merit to that. But every kid gets presents no matter what. Santa shows up once a year. God's with you always. Santa doesn't solve any of your problems. Have you noticed that? Read an article the other day about Santa's. And uh, they, they talk about how they can't make any promises. Santa can't make any promises, right? God does. Transforms your heart and your life. So if Jesus is the greatest treasure in the world, why would you ever delude it? By adding Santa to the mix. And if you think that focusing on Jesus is a killjoy for your Christmas, then you don't know Jesus. I challenge everyone to uh, let your decorations, let your singing, let your giving, let your food, let it all point to Jesus. See what happens. Go all in. Rudolph is a fun song, I guess. So is joy to the world. So is holy night. Oh, come all ye faithful. Hark the herald angels sing. Oh, holy night, but Carrie Underwood is my favorite song of all time. It's perfection. Try it. Maybe do no, no uh, secular Christmas songs this year. Right? Read It Came Upon a Midnight Clear and compare it to Rudolph. And just see. And I, I, I don't want to promise, 
but I would imagine your Christmas will be full of more joy than ever before. And you will see Santa as a mere mud pie compared to Jesus. Also, it's a good opportunity to be different from the world. Final point on this. I will never forget this young woman. She was 18 years old at the time. She spoke at her father's funeral. Her father was a police officer in Houston who was shot and killed in the line of duty. And his daughter gets up and just spectacular, talks about the process of forgiving the man who murdered her dad and talks about how her biggest pain is that this murderer doesn't know Jesus. Gets up there, shows incredible grace. But when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. Supernatural grace right there. But no one ever said, my heart aches for those who didn't know Santa Claus. If only this killer knew Santa Claus. If only people in remote tribes around the world knew of Santa Claus. Ah, oh, yes, I'll never forget the day when I first learned of Santa Claus. My life was changed because I knew Santa Claus. Come on. All right, let's do a little history here. Hayden Sundblom. Hayden Sundblom. Few artists have had as much impact on your thoughts and imagination as this man you've never heard of. Real quick, by the way, uh, I, I, do, I, do, I need, do I need to do anything else about the Santa? <clears throat> do I need to do the disclaimer at the end too? It's fine. Do whatever you want. Just a suggestion. Okay. Let's back it up a second. St. Nicholas of Myra was a real person. He was alive in the mid, or the early to mid 300s in Turkey, or today's Turkey. We don't know much about him. It was a long time ago. But he seems to have been a priest at a young age. His family was wealthy, uh, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. So he got a big inheritance and he gave it away to people in need. Right? That's where the story is of him putting coins in children's shoes at night, St. Nicholas. There's a famous story of uh, there was a poor man who passed away. He had three daughters, but no dowry for them. So it was likely that they were going to become prostitutes in order to survive. And he dropped money for the girls down their chimney. Oh, chimney. I get it now. So when he passed away, some people held feasts in his memory. Some people gave gifts to each other in his memory. In the Netherlands in particular, there was a myth that, that came from this of uh, Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. S-I-N-T-E-R-K-L-A-A-S. Sinterklaas. Klaus. Klaus. Some uh, immigrants brought Sinterklaas with them to America and uh, didn't really do much until 1823. Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem. Clement Clark Moore was a professor of uh, Oriental and Greek literature and a Bible professor at a seminary in New York City. He was also on the board of Columbia University. I'm sure he did a lot of great things. I'm sure he wrote a lot of great things, but no one knows anything about this guy other than the fact he wrote A Visit from St. Nicholas, which is what we call Twas the Night Before Christmas, the first line of the poem. That was 1823. He's the one who came up with the eight reindeer. And he was inspired by the Dutch story of Sinterklaas. 
This is why they're, again, it goes back to the Netherlands here, right? You with me on the Netherlands connection here? Uh, that's why two of the reindeer originally were called Dunder and Blixem. That means thunder and lightning in Dutch. Dunder and Blixem is, right, it's all Dutch. And now we call them Donder and Blitzen. But, but then it wasn't until a couple years later, 1931, when Coca-Cola hired Hayden Sundblom to draw Santa Claus for their advertising campaign, which was an absolutely genius move. Hayden's parents were from Finland and Sweden, so he knew of Sinterklaas. And uh, he's the one who really established what we think of when we think Santa. Big, fat, jolly, grandpa-like man, bowl full of jelly, the whole thing. He also drew the uh, Quaker Oats man, which makes sense now. They're very similar. They may be the same person. So the advertising campaign in 1931, which is in the Depression, and sales soared after their first Santa advertisement. Uh, the advertising said, my hat's off to the pause that refreshes. And then the next ad was, thanks for the pause that refreshes. <laughs> so that's Santa. Okay. He ain't no Jesus. The word Emmanuel in church last week stood out to me. Matthew 1, 23. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Let me quote Charles Spurgeon here. This glorious word, Emmanuel, means first that God in Christ is with us in very near association. The Greek particle here used is very forcible and expresses the strongest form of with. It is not merely in company with us or, or together with or sharing with this preposition is a close rivet, a firm bond, implying, if not declaring, close fellowship. God is peculiarly and closely with us. And he ends this sermon with this. Let us be with God, since God is with us. Again, Emmanuel means God with us. So let us be with God. I give you for a watchword through the year to come, Emmanuel, God with us. You, the saints redeemed by blood, have a right to all this in its fullest sense. Drink into it and be filled with courage. Do not say we can do nothing. Who are you that can do nothing? God is with you. Do not say the church is feeble and fallen upon evil times. No, God is with us. We need the courage of those ancient soldiers who were wont to regard difficulties only as whetstones upon which to sharpen their swords. Oof. I like Alexander's talk. When they said there were so many thousands, so many millions perhaps of Persians, very well, he said. It is good reaping where the corn is thick. One butcher is not afraid of a thousand sheep. I like even the talk of the old Gascon, who said when they asked him, can you and your troops get into that forest? It is impregnable. He said, can the sun enter it? Well, yes. Well, where the sun can go, we can enter. Whatever is possible or whatever is impossible, Christians can do at God's command, for God is with us. Do you not see that the word God with us puts impossibility out of all existence? Hearts that could never else be broken will be broken if God be with us. Errors 
which never else could be confuted, can be overthrown by God with us. Things impossible with men are possible with God. John Wesley died with that upon his tongue and let us live with it upon our hearts. The best of all is God with us. So what do we do? What's in my control? I just want to leave you with the same message I left with you last Thanksgiving. It is your Christmas. I know it can be so hard with family and uh, other people's expectations upon you and upon the day and nostalgia and paying honor to what was and your family. I, 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 I would say it's never too late to make Christmas be what you think it should be. That's my encouragement to you. That's it. What's in your control is how you celebrate Christmas. Don't let culture tell you how to do it. And if you have young kids, this is what I'm doing. I'm thinking of the Christmases that I want them to lead their families in. And how do I do that? Well, start now. Final thought to leave you with this. What, 10 days or so before Christmas. My favorite song. And I recommend you listen to the Carrie Underwood version of Oh Holy Night. Fall on your knees. She sings it better than that. That's the theme of these last two episodes. Santa doesn't make you fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. Now hear the angel voices. O night divine, O night in Christ was born. Merry Christmas. Politics by faith. Thanks, Sarah.